Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. It's another edition of Nobody Told Me That, and I am here with a longtime friend, a road warrior, Anne-Marie De Palma. How are you, Anne-Marie? Hi, Teresa. I'm doing great. How are you? You know, it is a, uh, it's one of those days where like, there's so many things to do and not enough time. I wish we had more time, but I think that's, that's the way it is, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm here in Boston, and it's a cloudy, cool fall day. It looks like the middle of November versus the beginning of October. So this isn't a great day today. Not only yeah. is it Monday, but <laughs> like all the Mondays. I know. It mm-hmm. does stink when a Monday actually feels like a Monday. So yeah. <laughs> so you and I go way back. We go, oh my gosh, all the way back to Implant Society, the International Congress of Oral Implantologists. When I was a baby speaker, you were experienced. You had some experience at that point. So I was like, oh, she speaks. Ooh. You know, um, <laughs> but you were you are a hygienist by trade and you are now uh, the customer success manager for Pearl, which is an artificial intelligence company. So Anne-Marie, did you know that when you were teaching implants way back when, and they were talking about, you know, the the scanning software and all of that, did you know that you'd be actually talking AI down the road? No, no way. Um, my career as a hygienist has taken so many twists and turns from being clinical and perio and general practices to um, my love of perio and implant dentistry to teaching in dental hygiene, dental assisting programs, and then getting into training, software training, and now this, artificial intelligence, the next wave that's going to be coming into dentistry. No one could have even predicted this years ago. No, no. In fact, it's funny because the first I heard of AI in dentistry had to do with call recordings and analysis of calls, you know, so basically listening for keywords, like, did you ask for insurance within three words? Or did you wait and, you know, establish relationship? And they have programs for all of that. But when it came to AI in dentistry, your first thought is, okay, it's a robot. And then you're, then people are like, no, it's not a robot, Teresa. It's it's actually right. software. And then I'm like, what? So so I it was a learning curve, right? But it's gosh, it's come a long way in just it what has. three four years. It is expen- exponentially growing, unbelievably, mm-hmm. in all avenues of dentistry. You know, initially there was the first smart toothbrushes, and just like you said, the call recordings. Now it's looking at x-rays and helping with the diagnosis and case presentation, case acceptance for team members. It's amazing what it can do. So with AI, the films are really what we're looking at. Are we looking at probing as well? 
So basically what happens with artificial intelligence in the radiographs, you take your images just like you normally do in your regular software, but depending on how you're going to view them, you view them in whatever product you're using. I've worked for Pearl as customer success manager, so we say look at it, view them in Pearl versus viewing them in whatever software, Patterson, Eaglesoft, Dentrix, whatever you're using. So it's adding information to the images. Um, AI is a complex area. So to talk about it on a podcast is really kind of exciting because there's so many different areas of it that we're looking at carries, notable margins, calculus, bone levels. But whatever you're looking at, any of the pathologies, you still have to correlate that with what is seen clinically. So it's not just what is on the images, but also what you're seeing clinically. So it's giving a twofold purpose and giving you better diagnostics and better case patient case acceptance. So it's not eliminating probing, but it's adding to the information that you're gaining. Okay, so let's let's pretend that I am fresh-faced in dentistry. <laughs> I'm, I crack myself up. I'm sorry. So let's pretend I'm fresh-faced and I'm on the show floor with my doctor and my doctor's heard a little bit about it, so he's like, "Oh, we got to go check it out." And you're telling us it's not going to replace you, doctor. It's going to enhance your skills, but when the doctor says to you, "What exactly does it do?" What do you say? Because let's let's make it as simple as possible for the people that are listening, because this might be the first time that they hear about it and how it how it can be used and is probably already being used to some extent. It's basically a second set of eyes. It's looking at the images based off of the artificial intelligence. So it is a second set to look at it, whether that be the doctor, the hygienist, looking at the image and saying, okay, there's caries here, or there's calculus, or there's bone levels that we need to evaluate. So it's looking at it as an objective opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest things that in dentistry we have is a lack of trust. I know as a hygienist, patients would be in the chair, doctor would come in, whether that was perio or restorative, doctor would say, you know, you need X, Y, Z treatment. And the patient after the doctor left would look to me and say, do I really need that? (laughs) This is giving the patient that objective opinion. Doctor is saying this, this is what the technology is saying. And we're a 24-7 technology society now. So people believe what they see on technology versus what we say. So when you do all of the markups on there, there's certain types of documentation or notations that you can make using the AI. So, and I've done a demo. So I just, listeners, I've done a demo, um, not just with Pearl, but with others too, because I want to see what's out there. And the one thing that's really cool is how it highlights specific er areas and you can mark it up and probably even send it home with your patient, right? So the patient can go, oh, hey, honey, I need all this work done and look at all this and, right? Like, exactly. is that, to me, it's a good patient tool. Right. It's patient education at its best. You know, patients, you show them a radiograph, they don't get it. They can't see <laughs> the differences between the black and white shades. But when you have it highlighted with the artificial intelligence, it makes it 
livable for them. They can actually understand what their disease is, whether that be caries or periodontal disease. So how does the computer know? What did they program in to make all these determinations? <laughs> That's the beauty of artificial intelligence. There's so many components to it. Machine learning, natural language processing, um, computer vision. There's so many different aspects, all of the way the computer is reading the images. So what happens is a team of actual dentists are looking at the images and figuring out what is a caries, what is periodontal disease, and then training the computer to recognize this is what a carious lesion is. This is what periodontal disease looks like over and over and over again. It's training, even with currently what the images that we're seeing, offices that make changes. Artificial intelligence is not perfect. Mm -hmm. It may see things that may not be there, or it may miss things that may be there clinically. So as the offices are using the products, it's actually helping train the artificial intelligence to recognize whatever pathology it may be. Are there sensitivity issues? Like, can you set it to catch like tiny little things or can you set it? Like, do you realize over time what your sensitivity level is that you're comfortable with? In terms of our product, not necessarily, you know, I don't know anything about the other products, but mm -hmm. um, what happens is there's a generalization that as the offices are using it, every couple of weeks, we're getting improvements on the carries model, for example. So mm -hmm. if I'm working in office A, I'm not going to be able to um, make that sensitivity relative to my office, but okay. in terms of generalization. Now, the other thing that we look at is the clarity of the images. So in terms of setting that up, you have control over that. Okay. So let me ask you a, a kind of salacious question, Anne-Marie. When you do your onboarding and training with dental offices, how often are you seeing just awful x-rays? No <laughs> You should <comment>. see your face. <laughs> Anne Marie's much too kind to say anything bad, but figured I figured I'd get her to say it in a roundabout way. No, no it, it's, comment on that. It's terrible out there. <laughs> I am amazed at the amount of undiagnostic images that are there. Yeah. 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 And so, I'm sure and just, you see it as well. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But one thing that I I say in classes, all the, I say this a lot because I, I'm so worried that they're going to get the request for a big check to write back to the carriers, is that people don't realize that with a radiograph, the code basically says you have to give a diagnostic, you're taking a diagnostic quality x-ray. And not only that, but you're reading it, you're interpreting it, making interpretations based on it. But our documentation says nothing about why we took it. It's a prescribed procedure, right? No documentation about why we took it. And there's no documentation about what we saw on it, okay? So that that aside is enough reason for an audit and you'd be right, sending a check back. But then there's this whole piece of if you bill for something, if you bill the patient or insurance for a radiograph, it's for a clear, legible, diagnostic quality image. So if your carrier is looking at the stuff you submit and all the radiographs stink, 
they have the right to come and say, if you're in network, they have the right to come and say, can we take a look at some other radiographs? And if they find that you have like, you know, Harriet, the hygienist that can't take an x-ray to save her life, they're going to look at all of that and say, you did not meet the criteria of the code. You did not deliver a product to our patient. We want our money back. And that happens all the time. And patients, our, our offices don't realize like, you can, like if you bill for a crown, you don't bill for a crappy crown, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, you, I hope you don't, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you don't bill for a, a half done, uh, you know, composite. You don't bill for that. The radiograph is a procedure and it should be a complete and quality product that the patient is getting. And so, yeah, for, for your product to work well, you need a good film for documentation. You need a good film. And that's been a big um that's been a passion of yours, documentation, for a while, as True. long as I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah talk a, hygienist, a little bit about... Mm-hmm. It's ingrained in us that, um, you know, if it wasn't documented, it wasn't done. So clinically, or even as a trainer or an educator, I have always made my notes so much longer than any of the other people that I've worked with, because I know the importance of documentation. And with that, in effect, I have seen in offices documentation that is horrible. I've seen great documentation. So over the years, I've developed a program where, a CE program, where um, I do a number of CEs, but this is just one of them, where we look at documentation and what is needed in that, whether you're a hygienist, assistant, business team member, administrative team, it needs to be documented. So then I take that, all of the steps that we do in the documentation for our clinical documentation and add that to what we do to document ourselves if we're looking for new opportunities out there. So um, looking for new jobs, new interviewing processes, all of that, taking all of the information just like we do for documenting ourselves in protecting ourselves in our clinical world, we can do that in our personal lives as well. So there are an awful lot of hygienists who are gussying up their resume, uh, assistants too. I mean, pretty much in our industry, um, as long as they're not leaving the industry. (laughs) So that's my fear is that we have so many people leaving the industry right now that we're just going to be in such a world of hurt. It's, it's so sad. It really is. And some of the smartest people I know have left and Mm -hmm. they've decided to do other things and improve other industries. And it's just really heartbreaking to see. I feel like you and I have been around a long time and every now and then you and I get together and we're like, Oh, whatever happened to that person? And we're like, Oh yeah, like they're gone. And and that happens a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Especially in today's world, you know, post pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, whatever you want to call this time we're in, I get so many contacts weekly and sometimes daily for people, hygienists, assistants, business team members looking for other opportunities or Mm -hmm. offices that are looking for people all the time. It's so sad. It it is sad. And I, I mean, I, all the office managers that um, have contacted me and said, Hey, do you know anything going in corporate? when I let them know that there's a big difference between being the star of the show in your office and going to work for corporate, they think about it a little bit. So and I don't mean corporate dentistry. I'm talking about like just a dental company, a dental company, like a Pearl or, you know, a Darby or something like that. Um, Let's circle back to documentation because one of your um, past, you were 
you were a Patterson technology trainer for years, a long time. One, one of my resources too, for Eaglesoft. And when you trained on documentation, is, is there anything you can share about the training, like any best practices or even some horror stories that people can learn from? Because the documentation piece, I just think it's going to get even more critical in the year or two to come with insurance. Right, exactly. With the insurance piece, I know they're no longer um, doing the short narratives. You know, mm-hmm. you put in for a crown, just say crack two. You need to put in the reasons why and show all of your documentation as to your clinical notes with that. So getting it all into a SOAP note is the best way of doing documentation. So subjective, objective, assessment, and planning is the absolute best way of documenting everything that you do. Yes, it's long. Yes, it takes time. But in all of the software, whether that be Patterson's EagleSoft or Infuse or Shine's Dentrix or Dentrix Ascend or any of the open or curves or any of the software that are out there, that there's templates that you can use to help make your life a little bit easier in completing the requirements that you need to. So when you have someone who is starting out with documentation, how are we supposed to note in our records that we looked, that we incorporated AI, or do you think it's not even, it doesn't even need to be in the notes? Um, An example being like, say, we've been watching number 30, but the AI flagged it as being, you know, it's, it's progressed. So is that something that goes into the notes or is that just, it can be, it can okay. be. Um, I mean, cause like when we use like a tooth sleuth, sometimes we put that in there. Sometimes when we do a, a tap on the teeth, we put that in there. So the modality of detection is sometimes noted, but I just didn't know if it was required. Well, aren't you, and I'm going to throw this question back to you as the insurance guru, um, supposed to note that you the images were diagnostic quality and read by the dentist? Yes, so. yes, that it, the radiographs were reviewed, radiographs taken, radiographs were reviewed. This was spotted on the radiograph. I just don't know if I put, with the help of AI. I think I would. Okay, yeah, because that's good. It, it makes it stronger, right? Correct, because a lot of offices are submitting the AI uh, findings to the third-party payers for coverage, whether that be you know less denials or uh, better reimbursement, they are seeing some benefits from using and submitting the AI to the insurance companies. Okay. Now, one thing that I saw in a lot of the news releases with the the AI is that it's FDA approved, and why does that make a difference? So we're looking at um, all of the cloud-based software. So Pearl is a cloud-based software and all the others as well, I assume. Software in the cloud is considered software as a service. Mm -hmm. So it's considered um, just like your Netflix or your Hulus or things like that. They're subscription services. So those are not controlled by the FDA. However, anything that is being used as software as a medical device, S-A-A-S-M-D, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. um, is regulated by the FDA because it's diagnosing the information. 
So if you have, um, I don't know if I've ever seen the Cardio Mobile, that's um, to, it's a device used for measuring ventricular fibrillation or normal oh, yeah. um, okay. heart rate. Okay. okay. That's a software as a medical device that okay. needs to be FDA cleared. Okay. Some of the diabetes new mechanisms where patients don't have to prick their fingers anymore. They can wear a, a device on themselves and have it on an app on their phone to determine their sugar levels. That again is an FDA approved device. So similarly with imaging, it's diagnosing a disease, so we have to have it FDA approved. So one of the things that I have done is created a, a, a short program for dental team members on artificial intelligence, what it is, all the different types, um, and explain a little bit more about why we have to get the FDA approval. So mm -hmm. yeah, great question. So there's other competitors that have FDA approval, but there's a lot that don't. So when they say, hey, use my AI, the ones that don't have it, I guess having FDA approval just shows that you've you've gone the extra mile and said this can tell you, maybe not definitively, but it can indicate this is an issue and you can trust our machine learning. So correct. do you see that that barrier goes away soon? Like most of them are going to get FDA clearance once yeah, a certain point they comes? Will. Okay. They will. You know, it just depends on what level of FDA approval they get. Certain certain types are only on their bite wings versus bite wings and PAs. Or oh, PAs. really? Oh, really? Or, okay. Or they're at a certain age le limit. You know, you should only be using this based off of age X chair side to show your patients those types of things. So the FDA approval is on different levels of what they can do or cannot do. Is there any system that is for the the pediatrics, like that pediatric practices could use it on, or is that difficult? So we can use it on pediatric practices, but chair side, that's the difference. Can okay. you show it to chair side? Um, for example, Pearl can be shown chair side 12, ages 12 and above. Mm -hmm. Other software may not be that. There may be okay. other age limits to show chair side. It's still going to show you the AI on, say, a six or a seven-year-old, but that's going to show you um, it's not for chair side use per okay. se. So for diagnostic, like true diagnostic use, I guess, Correct. it's more of like a, hey, you may want to look in this area. Yeah. type thing. Yeah. So, cause I can imagine the pediatric practices will jump on this once exactly. they get to that point. I mean, why not? I mean, how okay. cool is that to show a parent and not have to do any of the, yeah, I just, I think that would be amazing, especially if you can show that there's high caries risk throughout the whole mouth, like fluoride becomes a no brainer. Right. So, or SDF. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with the adults, so Pearl is cleared for FDA for bite wings, PAs, everything, or no? Is there still... Bite wings, PAs, and FMX, yes. Okay. Um, and Panos for ex impactions and eventually carries. Yes. Okay. And is, is it because the machine just needs more of those images to learn from it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that's what I think is super cool, is that this is only going to get 
better. And that's where everybody gets scared that this turns into Skynet. And like, you know, the, <laughs> the AI is like, oh, we got to replace all that, you know. <laughs> well, one of the things I added in my um, AI program is the way I begin with it is the pictures of the bad AI, you know, the mm. HAL, the Terminator, those kinds <laughs> of things, you know, and then going into what it is and what it isn't. Yeah. You know, it's it's there to help us. And there's a great video um, that was put out actually by a European or Asian company that says, will we act, will dentistry be replaced by AI? And it comes down to no, I can't no, it's, imagine it's going to be a part of what we do. But just like using our practice management software or our um you know, imaging or a CAD cam now, they're so much a part of our practices. We would never mm -hmm. think to go back to the pegboards and, you know, <laughs> film x-rays and all of that that we used years ago. So for those of you who are like, what the heck is a pegboard? That's old dental speak for how we used to do billing. And we would track all of the <laughs> the balances on there. We didn't have these fancy programs, you know. So now that I've completely dated myself, let's let's go forward, Anne-Marie. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with artificial intelligence, is that something then that you want the hygienist or the assistant to go ahead and run as soon as the films are taken so that it's ready to go when the doctor gets in the room is like, what's the flow of using it? So the flow it? Is, is a great question because a lot of offices have difficulty with any software trying mm -hmm. to get that flow into their workflow. So normally they would take their x-rays in whatever software they're normally using, but instead of viewing them in that software, they're going to view them in the Pearl products or whatever other products that they're using. So it takes a certain amount of time. We say average five to seven minutes, depending on, you know, a number of different factors, your internet speed, your, your computer networking speed, the way the wind is blowing. Um, <laughs> some offices, it happens within one to two minutes, they see the images. Other okay. offices, it's more closer to that five to seven limit. So they're viewing as a hygienist, I would do my normal medical review, medical history, intraoral exam, take my images by the time doc comes in for his or her exam or evaluation, then the images should be there. So you're taking them in your regular software, but viewing them in the AI software. Okay. Got it. Okay. And so then the doctor would then, instead of sitting down in front of the regular x-rays, just pull those up in Pearl. Um, when you install it or when you onboard an office, are you just using it from that point forward? Or do you suggest going back and running it for outstanding treatment plans? I mean, how, how best to utilize it once you get it in the practice? So Pearl has two different products. One is called Practice Intelligence, which actually merges with their practice management software. And okay. we can look at metrics. We can look at their schedule. We look at a number of different things. That includes our second product, which is Second Opinion, which is strictly for their imaging software. It's just looking at their x-rays. Now, Second Opinion looks back at images with the AI on it going back 12 months. Oh, okay. Practice Intelligence does a historical, what we call historical reviews. So 
practice, um, second opinion does historical review of 12 months. Practice intelligence does a historical review of 18 months of images. Okay. okay. So if somebody was just in like maybe two months ago, you something would come up and say, hey, you know, you let Jason go, but he's got like a big old tooth problem going on. So practice intelligence looks at the schedule. So it mm-hmm. looks at what was charged out mm-hmm. in their ledger and flags the schedule and says, okay. okay, this patient needs to have an FMX done. This patient needs to have bite wings done, or there's unscheduled treatment in their practice management software. So there's something that's been treatment planned and diagnosed, but hasn't been scheduled. Okay. Whereas in second opinion, it's looking at the x-rays and highlighting it, saying that second set of eyes. So the dashboard, okay, let's talk about dashboards for the office because I feel like everything has a dashboard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I did look at the the Pearl dashboard when you showed it to me and it's it's sexy. It looks great. So this dashboard over my regular practice management software dashboard like what what's your dashboard got that's more kick butt than so the when we're looking at your images or when mm-hmm. you're looking at your dashboard other so- softwares whatever they may be for your metrics are looking at your metrics you know who hasn't been in who needs cleaning all of that types of things for for your metric looking what we're doing is taking your metrics and then combining it with your images so it's saying this patient hasn't had an image in FMX in um, whatever your protocols are, three years, five years. And we're also looking at not only the FMX codes, but we're looking at the pano codes or the bite wing codes every year. And we can set that based off of your individual practices. So it's taking your metrics, which are in the other dashboards, mm-hmm. as well as combining it with what we see on the images. So if I have Mary Jones coming in tomorrow and Mary always tells me she doesn't need radiographs that she had, she had radiographs three years ago. Why do you need to keep taking them so much? Is it possible for me to run those radiographs through and say, hey, you know, at this spot, we've been watching this for a while. I'd want to know what's going on today with that spot. We can look back, but there are additional charges for that. But in most offices, it's the 18 months or the 12 months, depending on which product you get. Okay. So not three years then. So if it was just a year ago, you could look back and say, well, you know, last time we took this radiograph, number 30 was looking very suspicious. And if we're not able to do that again, I really can't give you a good diagnosis of that tooth. That would be an appropriate use of it? Yes. Yes. There was one thing I heard years ago about patients who refused x-rays was um, trying to treat dentistry in a patient who refused x-rays is like trying to do dentistry with a blindfold on and one hand tied behind your back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what gets me, because I worked for a doctor who was very, he gave him one shot. He was like, okay, we can, if you're really feeling that strongly about it, we can do one thing. I'm just warning you, I can't see anything here. But the second time he's like, I'm sorry, I can't do what I need to do. And the fact is like, you don't tell a cancer doctor, you know, Hey, you know, let me know if I have cancer, but don't do that test. Cause I just, you know, I heard something on CNN about it, you know, something mm-hmm. silly. 
So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think doctors should be a little bit more steadfast in that. I know a lot of times we, we don't want to upset the patient. So mm-hmm. we go, okay. And then the patient sues us and we're like, why did they sue us? And yeah, so <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Years ago, uh, there was, uh, when I was working in Perio, when I was in hygiene school, I swore up and down. I would never work in Perio. I hated it so much. But then getting into the clinical practice, that's where I spent most of my clinical career. And that's where I loved Perio. There was mm-hmm. one particular patient that came in who had been seeing as a new patient to our office, had been seeing her general dentist for years, and her mouth was completely bombed out periodontally. Oh, and it was horrific. And when we were explaining things to her, she just broke down in tears, you know, because why didn't anyone tell me this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad because that person is going to have a hard time trusting not just dentists, but probably medical providers because they think they're getting the, you know, the skinny on everything, you know, that's mm-hmm. why we, they come to us. So that's, that is really sad. So when when you have this patient in the chair and you've used the AI and say the patient says, ah, oh, that doesn't look that bad. I don't really see what you mean. Um, how many different ways can you show it to them, like to highlight it? Like you, do you have all that contrasting and color and ghosting and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. We can show it to them um, with the AI. Say, for example, the caries blob the caries blob shows up or we have something called tooth parts that actually colorizes all of the anatomical structures of the teeth so it shows you the enamel the pulp the bone in different colors so they can actually relate to it so you can say oh look mr patient here there's there's this is where the bone level is but this is where it should be and they can actually visualize it because it's so colorized or you don't want the caries lesion to get into the pulp and cause you to have root canal done or whatever. So with the x-rays, we typically look at their 2D. So, you know, when you, when you brought up the thing about going into the pulp and one thing, you know, just being an assistant and you being a hygienist, you know, this, like, just because it looks like it's not near the pulp doesn't mean that when you actually open it up that it was, because it's a 2D image, now we have it going in there. So it AI can't solve that, though, because it can only do what it can with the 2D image, right? We do have a percentage in terms of the um, caries as to how deep it is into the anatomical structures. Really? Because so, yeah. that's something that as a clinician, that's they're just guessing at that point. Right, exactly. That's great. Okay. That's great. So that's, I I just think at this point, um, if doctors aren't on board with getting this for their practice, it's probably going to be pushed on them at some point because their software is going to sign up and have it be available and it's going to be an upgrade and you're going to pay for it anyway. So you might as well find a system you like. When you talk to employees of dental offices, do you ever hear any of their concerns about insurance carriers using it against them? Insurance, they, I have mentioned to offices whenever I do trainings that insurance have been using it for several years now. Yeah, and yeah. they all go, what? Yes. They, they don't <laughs> understand that it's been around for years. You know, yeah. when they submit a claim, it's going to AI first before a person actually sees it. Right. So, because it's cheaper. 
Right. You know, I mean, of course, it's it's more expensive in the beginning to implement it, but it's cheaper. And the amount and they also count on the fact that most offices don't ever appeal denials. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. So mm-hmm. it's easy for them to to do that. But it also, I think, identifies some of the practices that are missing a lot of things. So and I, I just from talking to I just got back from an insurance meeting and one of the doctors there was saying, you know, I really wish that there was some way I could turn some of these dentists in. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I mean, that'll be great for business, right? But Mm. the reason he brought it up, and I get what he's saying, because I've run into this too. There are dentists out there that are doing one thing, and they're ignoring all this other stuff in the mouth. And, you know, it would be nice to say, okay, yes, we paid for this crown. But what are you doing about this huge abscess on the tooth next to it? And, you know, he was saying that we see malpractice all the time. It's just we're not in a position to do anything about it. And I know what he's talking about. I've mm-hmm. I've been in offices like that. It's really heartbreaking. Yep. So we do um, patchwork dentistry versus full mouth dentistry. You yeah. know, when I yeah. first started as a, a trainer with Eaglesoft, it was I had gone into an office and I saw something that was not great Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's put it that way and i said to the to the doctor you know hey i'm advising you that this isn't what you should be doing and he said oh you know you told me that's it thank you um and then i went back to my boss at the time and i said you know this is what happened and she's like you're gonna see so much that as much as we want to do the right thing and and tell them and to move it up the chain, so to speak, we just can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely have dismissed consulting clients who, you know, they bring me on and this is what happened to Emory. I, I would train offices that had had billing and coding issues and had actions taken against them by the board. Mm-hmm. So usually the whatever state board, when they do that, they say you have to take a billing and coding class and it needs to be, you know, they need to let us know that you took it. So I would get hired by dentists who had no intention of cleaning up their act. They just wanted a rubber stamp that they had taken a billing and coding class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are some very uncomfortable conversations when I, you know, I'm going through the training and I'm asking the doctor and the doctor just flat out just says, okay, this was great. Thank you. But, you know, whatever. And they're going to do the same thing over and over again. And that is a function of, I think, arrogance, but also the chances of being caught you know, for them are, are low, honestly, you just, you know, you need a lot of complaints and so forth. And, and they just roll the dice. Right. And, and a they lot get of, a lot slap of them... on the hand sometimes, you yep. know, go take a yep. course, you'll be fine. You know, after that, right. You know, they don't change their ways. Absolutely. And I just think it's on us as an industry to police these dentists, but there's no recourse like for an insurance carrier, for a consultant who is a dentist, who has an ethical obligation, there's nothing really they can do um, about it. And it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess out there. So my hope is that AI will keep a lot of dentists honest by, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if they know the insurance carriers are using AI, maybe they, you know, up their game a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I want to see AI as more of an adjunct in the practice so exactly it's never going to replace anything you know it's just that like i said second set of eyes that's going to help us 
get more patients to accept treatment as well as to improve our diagnostics. You know, we're human. You know, I've had a long day of hygiene or I've had a long day of procedures. You know, I see the last patient of the day, I'm not going to be as fresh as when I look at something at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. And, And that brings up the whole mentorship piece, which I think is super important. In the industry, we have heard, we hear all the time that associateships don't work. And a lot of times associateships don't work because there isn't a level of mentoring that happens. And you really need that with a new dentist fresh out of school. They don't know. They haven't seen the amount of mouths that you have. And so why not let, you know, help have a computer that can tell you, hey, maybe you should have looked in there. And then the dentist can discreetly just say, hey, can you open back up again? I want to just take another look back here. And that helps them to teach. That's like, that's the AI for the doctor, right? The, right. the over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's calibrating everyone on the same level. So a lot of times, you know, in the DSO world, for example, you know, you've got one practice that's really great and doing awesome, and then you've got another practice that may not be as as robust. So calibrating the practices and making sure that everyone on in the teams, whether that be doctor, hygienist, whatever, is is all on the same page as to whether they're reading radiographs or prescribing treatment for the patient. Are you seeing that DSOs are jumping on this more than solos? Yes. Yeah. Okay. DSOs love it. Can you tell me, I mean, I know cost is an issue. Of course, they have economies of scale. They can apply it across the board, but what's the big driver for them to adapt it? Calibration. Calibration Calibration. is the biggest. Yeah. And get, and okay. like you said, the associates that are there, that are the newbie dentists, so to speak, that haven't had all of the experience can see it, as well as across the board, whether it's a DSO or, or a single practice, uh, it's a lot of times for the patient education piece. Educating mm, okay. the patient is huge. You know, the number one priority in any dental practice is the patient. So whatever we do, whether that be the practice management software or the CAD cams or using AI, we're doing it to help educate our patients and get them to better oral health, as well as systemic health. We know the mouth is connected to the body, so we want to make sure that overall they're healthy. So, yeah. I would love it if I, so I'm putting on my manager's hat again, from a marketing point of view, my goodness, of course, after getting patient permission, I would love to compile a collage of pictures with the AI showing things and letting the patients like almost like a carousel where they can go through and say, you know, we found root canal need for root canal for John Jones and, you know, kind of going through. That's the kind of stuff that like these, these younger kids who love technology so much, they see something like that. They're going to be like, wow, that's kind of cool. But I just think that's a cool marketing effect anyways, to show that you're current, you're ahead of the curve. And I just, I love that. I really Mm -hmm. do. That's a great idea. As long as you tip a compliant. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get permission or, you know, you anonymize them. I mean, I don't know it. I always crack up about, because I know you have to do it, but like, if you take a picture of somebody's, you know, upper left area and you don't have them sign off like really how are they they don't they're not even going to recognize their own teeth right (laughs) Right. so 
<laughs> I don't understand it, but you know what I do? You have to be compliant. So. <laughs> yep. Dot those so, I's and cross those T's. Oh, gosh. So you mentioned an AI presentation, but you also have spoken on clinical issues and documentation for sure. Um, I'm just thinking there's probably a ton of ADOM chapters, um, American Association of Dental Office Management chapters that, you know, could use something like this, either in person or virtual, you know, just to see what's out there. So I know, I know lots of ADOM members listen to the podcast. So maybe mention that because that I think that would be fantastic. I, I really think the offices that utilize AI are are going to be ahead of the game because if you're not utilizing it to up your game, the carriers are going to utilize it to make sure that they're getting the best bang for their buck. So I, to me, it's like whom, whomever is using it upstream is uh-huh. the one who gets the most benefit from it. And so why not, why not have it be the dentist? Right. Be your practice. You know, you be the one that's leading the charge, so to speak. You know? Yeah. Be the cool kid on the block, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Be the one in your area that markets to your your patients or new patients. We're always looking for new patients. You know, mm-hmm. retain the patients you have by yeah. doing marketing things. So you spend less on those patients than you do trying to acquire new people. So, so one other thing too to mention is, you know, we're we're likely heading into some hard financial times coming up next year, maybe even the year after. I don't know who knows how long it'll last. But because we've been around a while, Anne Marie, I know mm-hmm. that we saw the last time there was a downturn in the economy, people held on to their money and got the basics done and waited until things hurt. I mean, cosmetic dentistry pretty much just took a siesta for a couple of years. Right. And um, this, because before they were doing quadrant dentistry and that was all the rage. And then all of a sudden it was like, can I just do one composite, please? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so for case presentation, I recommend you guys work on your skills for case presentation now, because you're going to need that when patients don't have insurance to help them get the treatment done, or they don't have disposable income, but they need it before it turns into something big. So having this image, I mean, they can't argue with when you pop that color in and pop it out, you can't argue with that, you know, in that, that AI picture, I would imagine you would use the, all the tools you've got. Exactly. Whatever you need to do to get that patient from their need to their want. That's where you Mm -hmm. want them to be. You want them to want the dentistry that you're proposing. However you can do that. Yeah. And you got to have them want it more than, you know, the, the new iPhone or whatever is coming out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. Consumers, consumers. Okay. So Anne-Marie, they can find you by going to Pearl, but we're going to also link your LinkedIn profile and also your email um, on the show notes so they can reach out to you. I would hands down guys, if you've got a study club, I would bring her in to talk about this. Just the documentation piece. You guys know how crazy I am about documentation and Marie's just as crazy about it. So, you know, <laughs> Along with a few I, other things too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember years and years ago, we would, you know, just sit around at the end of a long day of teaching implants. I would teach the implant coordinator program. You would teach the hygiene program. Hygiene. And it was, I can't even believe we did this, Anne-Marie. It started at eight and ended at six. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. So an hour, I think it was an hour, an hour and a half of lunch. 
And I remember being like, oh, I, I want to speak. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I was like, eight to six. Yeah, that sounds really long. Okay, I'll do it. And now I look back and I'm like, was I high? Crazy. What did I? Yes. So <laughs> do you ever wonder like what on earth possessed you to say yes all those years? <laughs> That's a long time. And not uh -huh. just for us, but for the attendees. Right. And now, you know, the attention span is so much shorter. So it's like, Having someone sit, I, even me personally sitting through a CE program that's an all day is burner. You know, I like exactly. short one to two hours, sometimes three, maybe four hours, the max. And then I've had it. <laughs> Man, I feel so bad because if I take CE and it's after lunch, I, I can't help it. I am so mm -hmm. sleepy, even if it's the best CE ever. Yep. I don't care. I get so sleepy. I have to get up. I have to have something. And then I'm like, man... I feel bad for the presenter, but now as a presenter, if somebody is like looking rough after lunch, I just cut them a lot of grace because I mm -hmm. get it. I get, get it. Up, can't help it sometimes. Around, do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I remember listening to, do you remember, Har you know, Harold Crossley? Yeah. Harold Crossley. He does uh, mm -hmm. the, the medication. He's hilarious. One of the best presenters I've ever seen. And I almost fell asleep in his class and it wasn't him. Right. It wasn't him. <laughs> So, right. They could be the best terrible. presenter in the world, and you're yeah. still like, uh. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. And when you're teaching insurance or documentation, forget about oh, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. like a walking Ambien or something, you know. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. so they can reach you um, using those methods that I'll put in the show notes. And um, any last words before we sign off, Anne Marie? No, this has been great. Thank you for having me and um, opening the world up to AI as well as other things. Um, it's been great talking to you and catching up. Um, like you said, all of my information's in the show notes. Um, if anyone's interested, I have several other programs that I do, not only besides the AI and the documentation, there's a whole bunch of clinical programs as well as some management programs. So go for it. And you'll be at Yankee for the Yankee Dental be. meeting. Mm -hmm. Great. I'll yep. see you there up in Boston. I'll yep. see you up in there. In the cold, and, uh, snowy. Oh, <laughs> I, you know what? It's, it's one of my favorite shows, so I'll yep. endure it. it. And the other favorite show for me is Star of the North. I don't know why I have to pick the chilliest shows to really have a good time. Yeah, I've never so gone to know. that one. So, yeah. It's fun. Minnesota. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota people, that's what makes it. And same thing with Yankee. I feel like just I know so many people there. It's just a fun place. So, oh. so I look forward to seeing you in same January. Here. And yeah. dear listeners, look up Amory, look up Pearl, look up AI because it's coming. And it's like back in the day, people would say, what's this website stuff? You don't need a website. I kind of feel like AI is in the same category. It's going to be in your office, whether you like it or not. So get ahead of the curve. Don't be that whole, nobody told me about this AI stuff because we're telling you. So right. dear listeners, thank you so much for spending your time with me. On behalf of Anne-Marie, we'll talk to you later. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.